0: Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up.
1: Yeah!
0: All right, crowdfunders, we've got another week in the books here. Man, It time is flying. It's sunny out. It's nice out. I mean, maybe I'll open up the windows. I'm going to open them up. Hold on a second. Woo! Let's get some chirping in here. Get the birds, the sunshine, the trees. Are, everything's getting in bloom. Man. So hopefully you guys had a great Easter weekend. You know, hopefully you celebrated the the thing. Um, you know, the thing. I can't think of it at the moment. The 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 church stuff. I had a pretty solid weekend. I'm not going to lie. I had one of those moments. Well, well, before I get into me, see, I'm being... Being narcissistic. Let's talk about what's going on on today's episode, right? Let's let's be let's be polite. So, on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Amanda Norman from uh, the successful Kickstarter campaign, Color. Uh, if you are a someone looking for a book for a maybe a a six month old or an eight month old, this is going to be a great conversation for you. The other thing too is. You know, Amanda didn't spend much time on this, so I think this is one of those great conversations where it's not a huge goal, but it's you know what a lot of campaigns strive to be is to just prove viability and to just get out in the marketplace. So that conversation is coming up later uh, with Amanda. Great, great talk. A lot of great insight um, into kind of diving into you know a second career or a new career or you know just jumping into um, you know to a cool new project. So that's coming up. So now. Now that I've got that out of the way, <laughs> let's talk about myself, ultimately, right? Let's talk about what I'm working on. So I had one of those weekends where where you just feel super, super satisfied or you have that moment where something you've been practicing or working towards for years and years and years, it kind of all comes together. So let me explain. You know, this weekend... you know, the the live sound gig where I work at the Church 242, shout out to them, Um, you know, basically moved into the permanent auditorium and without any, you know, I had no time in the space, was kind of thrown into one of the hardest mixes I think I've ever had to work on, 10-piece band, tracks going, You know, brand new room, brand new speakers, never tested. Nothing's being tested. New microphones, you know, new drum sets. I mean, literally everything new. And now, granted, this is pro of the pro. Room is great. I mean, it was you know, it was everything was built for the room. So that does make it easier. But to be thrusted into that on the most you know, kind of an intense weekend, right? We had the whole. It's Easter weekend. Tons and tons of people. Probably every you know five services, each one basically, theoretically, you know, sold out, air quotes. And so I had that, like, what, you know, after Sunday, just kind of driving uh, to my Aunt Sharon's house uh, for Easter after, you know, five services, just standing back and having that moment of, like, the 20 to 25 years I've been doing audio prepared me for this moment to be able to, to, to jump in and... Um, you know, and be able to perform at a high level, you know, to have that sort of, and and to, I don't know, I just had this great feeling, this great, uh, I don't even know. I just, I was, I, I was pleasantly happy with myself, you know, which doesn't happen very often. Sometimes you have to stand back and, and be proud of these moments, right? And that's ultimately what it was. I was just really proud of this moment of like all that hard work to be able to walk into a situation like that, and to be able to pull off i mean i got tons and tons of compliments it, it was a great weekend for it so I, so this got you know this kind of popped in my head cuz talking to my wife last night of how you know uh, how you don't f- seek this sort of you know to, the hardest things in life are what's going to be ultimately the, the you know worth it the most right raising kids it's the hardest thing i've ever done i have no idea what i'm doing but it should be the most satisfying the most rewarding keeping my marriage together, right? We, My neighbor next door has been married 46 years, you know, and they're awesome, right? And the other day they were just joking with us. They're like, you guys got to stay together. It's hard. But if you do that, it will be the most rewarding relationship that you'll ever have. And I agree with that. I, I come from that principle. I, I come from this, like, you know, it is hard work to maintain sanity, maintain a relationship, uh, you know, be considerate, you know, put their needs above yours, all this sort of stuff, raising children, not having money, having money, career choices, making big decisions, kids having surgery, all these things being thrown at you. But when you are at that end, you know, when the shot clock is running out on life, you know, that's when I think you look back and and you have this sort of sense of Hey, I put it, I put it all together I, I I feel good about it and that's ultimately truly how I felt this week because I, I question you know what what did almost 20 years of my life I mean I'm, yeah I've, been, I've it's been more than that I'm 37 I started this when I was 12 15, 13 all of the heartache all of the struggle banging my head against the wall you know it all came together for this you know this weekend and hopefully moving forward right that uh, I'm capable of, of walking into a professional setting, as pro as you can get, and then have it be as stressful as it can get, and to come out the other side um, doing well. So just feeling feeling good this this Monday, you know, hopefully moving that energy into new things this week, you know, with my current clients, hopefully bringing on some new clients, um, and just sort of just bringing that energy all around me, letting my kids see it, just bringing it, you know, just feeling it, and I don't know, I feel good, I feel good. It's a good Monday. Also, only thing I'm not feel okay. <laughs> I had a only felt good there for a moment, but now I'm back to like I, I'm trying to get my Easter's to not feel so mundane. I don't know if you guys feel like this too, but we're just in a rut, right? There was a moment yesterday during Easter where nobody talked for like five minutes, silence while we were sitting around the tables eating, just 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 the you know the clink 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 clink, clink that sort of stuff. And I just noticed that, like, yesterday was just sitting there. It's like we were just all going through the motions. There was nothing spontaneous, nothing exciting, nothing new. Nobody really, I don't think, wanted to be there. Even the kids were like, okay, cool, I got my six Easter baskets. It's just a general malaise to it. So I'm hoping that that's something that I can either pivot on or adjust or change because, you know, you want these events to be special or... Exciting. And I don't know. Maybe the only way that that happens is actually through death to somehow, you know, like if, you know, the next big change is probably for, for holidays is unfortunately when my grandma passes away, which she's getting older, or my dad who's sick all the time. You know, those are the next big shakeups because other than that, it's just routine, routine, routine. And I want to break these routines, man. Some of these routines, I mean, I've talked about it before on the podcast. Some of these routines from... You know, hey, this is what we did all through the '80s and '90s. I'm tired of that. I want something new. I even thought about it yesterday. I was like, why do we have to have this same ham scalloped potatoes, green beans, salad, fruit salad? It's the same every year. Why do we have to go through that motion? Why can't? It, why, why, why couldn't we have Chinese food or whatever it is, pizza? Why can't it be something else? Why? That's my big questions today, people. That's what I'm fighting with over here in Jeff Wenzel land. But all right, I think that's enough of me ranting. So see that? I felt good for a little bit, but I instantly brought myself right back down. So I got that going on. But uh, that's enough of me. So if you guys are, remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, you got to do me a big favor. You got to go tell a friend and family or a project creator. Uh, if you do like backing projects and like cool stuff, go back projects that we talked to. Go back uh, this book, Color go go support Amanda and entrepreneurs and creators it's important um, so be a be a backer be a supporter and um, yeah tell a friend and if you want make sure you sign up for my newsletter those come out on Tuesdays and Fridays and uh, yeah you can get a lot of Jeff Wenzel can't you so all right let's go ahead and kick in my conversation with with Amanda from the successful Kickstarter color yes. All right, Amanda, I hit the uh, red light. That means we're recording. Fabulous. All right, you excited? I am. All right, all right, all right. So why don't we start off with you telling my listeners a little bit about what you're currently raising money for on Kickstarter?
2: Yes. So I'm an artist, and I have created a children's book, um, specifically, a board book. I have an almost eighteen-month-old little boy, and so it's a book about color. Um, and uh, and so, just each you've got the red page, but instead of just having one red image, you've got lots of different red images for the child to look at and for the parent to look at. So it's a, a book called Color.
0: Cool. And I mean, is there, is it story driven? Is, is there outside of, outside of just color? Is there anything like, uh, you know, what else is in the book?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's actually, it's very, it's more so image driven. And, um, my idea is that it leaves it a little open-ended. Um, so as a child is learning their colors, so often it just is red and then a red apple. And as I started reading with my son, Ward, realizing that, um, you know, the, the, he doesn't know if that is called a red or called an apple as he's trying to learn language. And so, and it also just gives one example of the color. Um, and so my idea, so I've got in my images, I've got, I do have a red apple, but then I also have like a red lobster and a red crab and a red, uh, solo cup. (laughs) And so I tried to put some little things in there, um, that are, you know, funny for the parents too. And cause it can get a little tedious to read some of these books again and again. Um, oh, I'm aware. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I believe I read the same. I mean, I have a, I have a six and a three year old boy and a girl. My okay. boy's six and my three. And, uh, man, I, I feel like it's like we have so many books and we literally read like the same three. It's like, I know what Twinkle does. Yeah. I know.
2: Her, her fairy tale. There, there are no surprises. Oh, no,
0: There's none at all. I mean, so,
2: yeah,
0: so I get it. So, you know, so where was like the cocktail napkin version of this? Where did this start? Um, or, or, you know, or was this an idea that you always kind of had and maybe having your son kind of pushed it? Where, where was the original idea for this?
2: You know, that's a great question. Um, I think, so as an artist, I started working in watercolor um, a couple years ago. And I've had people throughout the years ask me to illustrate their children's books. Um, and timing-wise, it just never quite worked out. But I've always known in the back of my head that it'd be something that, that I wanted to do. Um, and I, you know, I've had more story-driven ideas in the past. But I think as an artist, I'm a very visual person. Um, and then I actually, I, I almost was a linguistics major in college. And so, and I did some um, childhood cognitive development studies. And so I, I think that all of that kind of twists together to this idea of that as a child is learning language and then me being a very visual person and wanting to see beautiful, beautiful things on a page. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, you could say it, in all honesty, it came together. I finally kind of, Ding, ding, ding. Idea pops into my head. I mean, less than a month ago. And I stayed up all hours of the night creating these illustrations and doing a lot of research on self-publishing and a lot of research on how I'm going to, you know, print this book. I spoke with, um, lots of other people who had self-published, um, specifically children's books, met with Mm -hmm. people in the book world, different, um, you know, people who own bookstores and own children's boutiques just to kind of pick their brains to see, you know, A, do they like the product? Um, so yeah, I guess (laughs) I'm not sure if that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah. No, no,
0: no. It does. Yeah. So, you know, so I guess for you, how, how long in your mind do you feel like this project's been so far? I mean, you mentioned that you, you know, you, you kind of crammed it in, but like, how how long has this really been, been, been going on?
2: (sighs) Um I think all the components together I mean so I I started painting from a really really young age. I've been painting as long as I can remember and took childhood took adult art classes when I was in the 5th grade. Um okay. and then I went to college thinking I was going to be an engineer but then got interested in linguistics but then was painting in my dorm room the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I guess I'll be an art major." Um so in a way you could say my entire life But I do think that having a son and specifically over this, you know, the last six months of his life, nine months of his life, just as we read more and more and to watch him explore the world and to start, you know, as he's starting to speak a little bit, um, and as I'm starting to try to teach him his colors, I think that's where the idea really solidified as that was specifically what I wanted to do, um. Yes, but yeah, but and, and and in all honesty, knowing exactly how it was gonna, once I was able to visualize, okay, this is the product that I want to create specifically. That was, I mean, on it less than a month ago.
0: Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you've gone quickly from an idea to a successful Kickstarter going on right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess you know, put it out there yeah. and see what happens. Take a leap.
0: Right. 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 Well, so you, you mentioned about kind of growing up. Where did you grow up?
2: I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I was born in Los Angeles, um, but my dad's in the music business, so it brought us to Nashville when I was 18 months old. So oh, nice. Nashville is home.
0: That's cool. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got 20 some odd years in the music business.
2: Oh, you do. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I still do live sound for like mega churches. So. Oh,
2: that's awesome. Uh,
0: yeah, so when the the big churches need uh, the pro sound guy, I roll in for the weekend. So I got like a big Easter one coming up here in Ann Arbor. Oh, uh this that's, weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. that's so I,
0: awesome. Yeah, I ran recording studios for 10 years. I had three of them in the United States, Detroit, Chicago, and Chapel Hill. I was working on. Oh,
2: wow, what an interesting group of cities all together.
0: Yes, it was it was interesting. It's um yeah. Diverse. So the, yeah, so yeah, the music business. We love it. Well, let's let's not get off track there. So so um growing up, so so it looks like arts was obviously a part of your life. Um, you know, I, like you were saying, um so w- what do you find from you know, when you're painting, like what what mentally does that do for you when, when you're in that space?
2: So, funny enough, I just taught. Um, I sometimes will teach classes. I do individual lessons. But last night I taught a little, um, a group class to a group of women, um, you know, in their thirties, all have kids. Some of them had never painted before and, uh, you know, others hadn't painted since they were in elementary school and others, you know, considered being art majors. Um, but we sat around and I think, you know, everybody's a little tentative on the front end and you're scared to kind of, you know, quote unquote, mess up the screw up the page. Mm Um, but, uh, I think that there are so many life lessons that come from the idea of painting in terms of letting go and, uh, not taking yourself too seriously, um, being okay, like realizing that a lot of beauty comes from taking risks. Um, and there's something I have on my website, um, a a quote, but the idea that the most authentic, um, most authentic things come from this combination of things that are carefully thought out and then these accidents that sort of happen along the way. And it's that it's the intersection of those two things that are like very authentic and exciting. And so I think for me that as I'm painting, um, I will say I paint to music 95% of the time. I find times that I'm not painting to music and I'm like, why am I just like not getting in the groove here? And I'm like, oh, I need, I need to turn on my tunes. Um, but I think that, uh, that idea of really kind of being able to, you know, take risks and try something new and, um, each painting can be, I do a lot of portraits as well. So the portraits are a little bit more methodical and scientific in a way, but Mm -hmm. then some of the abstract paintings are much more, you know, just kind of see what happens and see how it unfolds. So.
0: And, and is this um, is this what you you're doing full time as a career, just creating art and and this book and stuff?
2: Yes, yeah. The book is a new a new venture, a new little like I guess avenue of the creative side. But I am a full time artist.
0: That's cool. What what do you see? It, it, like, where do you see this book going? Is this something that you're envisioning that there's multiple series of, or you know, what, what's the daydream like around this product?
2: Yes. So definitely, um, I see color as being the first in a series. And so I would love to have it be, um, this board book, it's a square format, um, which I think visually I like, I paint on a lot of square canvases too. Um, but, uh, so color would be the first one. And then the next one that I want to do, um, is animals. So it'd be the same format with just, you know, on the left page, one word. Um, so in the color book, you know, red is on the left and then a bunch of red images on the, on the right page of the spread. But for animals, it would then be like dogs or dog would be on the left. And then a bunch of different dogs would be on the right. Um, cause that's something that I also see, you have a lot of these books where they're, you know, showing you, um, you know, this is a dog, this is a cat, but it's just one dog and just one cat. And there's so many different types or birds or insects or whatever it may be. So, right, right, right. um, yeah. So I think animals will be the next, that will be the next book. And then I've got a couple of other ideas beyond that, but all the same aesthetic and format.
0: It's cool. So, so this may be a stupid question, but I, I've only interviewed a couple you know, uh, kid products um, you know, over the last year or so, and the other one was like a baby toy, and <clears throat> we got into that there was regulations around it stuff, and just because of the target audience that she had to go through, certifications and whatever it was. Is there anything like that when, when it comes to publishing children's books that you have to go through?
2: Yeah, no. So I will say almost unfortunately not. It's not the same kind of uh, regulatory restrictions as it would be on something that the child is like hands down going to put in their mouth. Yeah, right, but, right. Um, I've, so I have done a lot of research um, on, um, on trying to find something that's, uh, you know, printed in the United States and, um, printed without chemicals. And how do you find the most eco-friendly printing? Cause as I mean, a lot of parents, especially parents in our generation, that is a priority. Um, however, there still aren't those regulations. And when you go down to just the sheer price point of printing, um, a book, China is the most cost-effective way to print. Um, right. And so I will say that something I've struggled with is um, and I'm still I'm still not 100 percent, not 100 percent sold. I've got a little bit more time, um, have not pulled the trigger on my printing yet, um, though I have spoken with several, several different people. So um. Hmm,
0: interesting. And and where do you you know, in terms of like you kind of. Correct me if I'm wrong. Just sort of putting putting your toe into the publishing world, right? Um, it's <laughs> it's not your forte all the time, right? Not at all. <laughs> what do you see as the landscape? I mean, I, I, I'm I'm I work actually. I, I help out a uh, one of my buddies runs a men's magazine, and we're constantly in conversations of the of the of publishing. You know, so putting out a physical magazine in today's you know climate. Where are like what are you feeling right now that when you're diving into putting a book into the world, you know, um, in, in the land of social media and constant, you know, stuff coming at us and iPads, like, like, I'm interested in that vulnerability of like you putting yourself out there going, I'm going to put a book in on the, on the store shelves per se. Like, what do you feel like that landscape's like?
2: Yeah. So I think in terms of feeling, you know, vulnerable and putting something out there. I think as an artist, I do that every day. So I kind of have gotten over the the vulnerability of it or feeling concerned about, you know, somebody criticizing my work or my art. I mean, that right. just kind of, it sort of comes with the territory. Um, yeah. But in terms of, I think that was something, as I was reading to my son Ward and trying to find books for him, um, it was, I will say, the product that I have created, I do feel like fills a gap that's in the market. Um, So that's something that does like give me, I don't know, some hope that other people may see that. Um, Mm -hmm. And in terms of social media, I've gotten a lot of great social media feedback. Um, The different children's shop owners that I've spoken with, they're really enthusiastic about it. Um, The different bookstore owners are enthusiastic about it. So that makes me, um, all of that has been, you know, good, great feedback thus far, but I also, we'll see, um, yeah. you know, and, and I would also love to shoot big and try to, you know, get it into, there's a, uh, like the Nordstrom children's department, they carry, um, they carry, uh, children's books and it's a pretty small selection, but I'm going to aim high and I'm going to see, right, right. would they be interested in carrying it?
0: Now, are you envisioning, do you have to, do you need to, Because you're self-publishing, to get something like that, do you envision at some point having to go and using a publisher and distributor and stuff like that?
2: So, I spoke with somebody who was previously a book agent. Um, She now is at an independent bookstore. And, you know, I was kind of telling her that I think I was going to go the self-publishing route. And she was kind of giving me the pros and cons of each. Um, You know, I think, and she was saying, you know, once you kind of get the ball rolling at self-publishing... at that point it can be a little bit harder for somebody else, you know, to want to kind of like jump in on the back end, just cause you've already kind of started to create this product. So part of it's terrifying to think, Oh my gosh, have I jumped in the pool <laughs> without any assistance? But, <laughs> right. um, but I also, you know, was antsy and excited to kind of get it off the ground. And um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's a little terrifying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I know it. I, I know the uh, landscape you're in right now because, like I said, with with that magazine, you know, um, we just we uh, had a conversation, and I, and I consult with him, and I, he's literally my best friend. He lives across the street from me, so oh, that's awesome. Uh, so our, our our kids get together. So you know, he was sitting there with this idea of like I could go to Borders, or uh, yeah, is it Borders? Yeah, Borders. I, I can't remember which one's closed, Borders or Bar- Barnes and Noble, but whatever the one, or Barnes and Noble. And it's just like, yeah, but you've got it's such a big run. You're on your own right now it it almost is I, you know i consulted with him about just being more in the um in the the, the, the boutique you know, niche world and find your audience there. And, and um, I think that's the best route. So it sounds like you're kind of in that, you're kind of creating that niche product at first um, and yeah. getting excitement here.
2: Yeah. And, and a two, I mean, I will say that you touched on the social media aspect and this, there's this online world and network of, um, for lack of a better term, I feel like it's what they call themselves, but mommy bloggers and um, that they are so successful. Um, I think especially a lot of moms, um, you know, there's, so, there is so much out there. And so to be able to go to this trusted source and you love so-and-so and the way that she dresses and the products that she recommends and the way that she, you know, raises her children. And so I feel like if I, um, I've had a couple of people who've been so kind to share the book and be excited about it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like to be able to have, sort of a word of mouth feel. And if you can have, um, and maybe that's me being totally naive. <laughs> this is just going to spread by word of mouth. Um, but so far it has. So that's exciting.
0: It's funny. You, uh, are you familiar with the, Was it Melissa and Doug? Is yes. that the puzzles? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's weird how like, that's the sort of product I, I kind of had associated in my mind for some reason, you know, where it was like, it, we spend a little bit more money on it it's a little bit more boutique but my kids play with it you know they they just have a different feel than the the, the quick toy that I've already thrown out do you know what I mean yes. like I don't know that that's kind of what I don't know if, and, and I might be completely ridiculous but for some reason that's what's in my brain of as I look around all my kid toys and stuff when I, when I saw your campaign I was like you're, you're in this ballpark
2: no and that's and I that's exactly.
0: And I think they've done well, you know?
2: Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a great way. <laughs> exactly. We both know their name. Um, no, yeah. exactly. That's exactly what I want to do. And I, and I think that people um, are willing to spend, I mean, as you know, the amount of money that we spend on our children is ridiculous if it's something that you truly, if you feel like it's special and worth it. So my, my hope is that I am creating a product that is special enough that people want to pay just a little bit extra more, you know, a little bit extra for.
0: Yep. yep. Well, and it's funny when you talk about the word of mouth, I think I was thinking about that puzzle, the lesson, the, the, those puzzles too, because the word of mouth comes from the grandparents, the great grandma, the grandma buys that present for the other cousin or what, whatever, you know, that's the word of mouth that, that I think you can get in when you have that first, you know, insider or that first influencer who's getting it.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, towns like Nashville. Um, as much as we've grown so much in the last <laughs> ten years, um, it still is this small. There's still this small town feel. I am so unbelievably supported by the Nashville community, and so I just kind of need to take <laughs> take what's happened here and see if now I can spread that to other cities. So,
0: yeah, got scale up. Well, cool. let's let's flip a little bit over to the actual Kickstarter. So, uh, it, In regards to the amount of time spent, I'm intrigued. What did you do as a marketing strategy, or what was in your mind uh, to go to Kickstarter to to get this product off the ground?
2: Um. So I actually I I will say I did research on a couple of other crowdfunding platforms, uh, but I came back to Kickstarter, and I also looked at a lot of the other people who had had crowdfunding. Projects that they funded successfully, and so research, and specifically in the publishing world too, I kind of wanted to see how people approach that. Um, but uh, I mean, it was within maybe a week that I was like, okay, I've got my images, and I, you know, Kickstarter encourages you to make a video, and so I just I shot video on my on my iPhone and put it together in iMovie <laughs> and. Um, I was fortunate enough that I had access. Um, I tried to record the um, the vocals on my computer, and it was terrible. Um, but with my dad being in the music business, I he was kind enough to hook me up with somebody he works with in a studio, and so I was able to go uh, record actually good audio, which was which mm-hmm. yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. i mean, in the hey. It's always about the audio. Everybody can shoot the video on their phone, but the audio.
2: Yeah, but the audio. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, I mean, now when it comes to like, okay, so you put the page together and stuff. And then how did you approach um, your marketing, like to get the word out and to get this thing funded?
2: So it was, I I have a, through my um Amanda Norman studio, my art, um, I do have a mailing list already set up and a newsletter that I will put out. And so I sent it out to my newsletter group. Um, and then I also posted it on my, um, on my social media and then my best friends and family, they shared it. And so within three days, it was just people sharing, being extraordinarily generous. Um, it was, you know, friends that I hadn't spoken to friends that I went to high school with that I haven't spoken to in maybe a decade, but they shared it or, you know, somebody that I'm, you know, met on vacation once they shared it. And so before, you know, they just the way that, that web network of social media um, and then I also have um, some friends who are just kind of uh, names in their own. And so they were so kind to share it. So just, That's cool. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So, and then um, were you doing any sort of pay-per-click ads or anything like that? Are you spending any money on no, advertisement?
2: No, not at all. Um, really? That's awesome. I, I think that I just kind of, I mean, it, it really, I think the first day I got to about 50% funded and I was just blown away. And then by the end of the second day, I think I was, you know, 80% funded and by halfway through day three, I was at a hundred percent. So I will say because of that, and that is truly just people being so generous. Um, it was, I I mean, I'm not sure. I really am not sure I can take credit for any of this. It's that I have extraordinarily (laughs) supportive people around me.
0: (laughs) Uh, so then becoming since you just kind of you know came to Kickstarter, this is your first one and stuff. What was your mindset around setting your goal amount and just making sure that you set the page up correctly outside of just looking at other campaigns? You know, I'm sure there was some math and some you know figures involved. But but how did you come up with your your goal number? And was there you know is there a strategy around that?
2: Yeah. So the goal number, I I, I read an article that somebody had written about a campaign that they had done, and they said. Um, Aim, aim high. like aim, So I, I had already done the research of knowing what it would cost me based on the the quantity that I wanted um, to produce. So I kind of ran some numbers there, um, ran some other marketing. Um, I researched a lot on the, the United States Postal Service in terms of what yep. shipping would be, in terms of shipping out the rewards. I, that honestly probably took me longer than anything else, <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. trying to figure out um, what my – uh, reward tiers were going to be and what made sense. Um, you know, what was, what was going to be a good gift. And I, I also knew that I kind of wanted to be able to use Kickstarter as a way to uh, pre-sell books, um, that I didn't necessarily want to just like have people give me money and then have me give them, you know, a, a pin or a postcard. Like I wanted to be able to say, okay, here, if you if you give me this amount of money, this is just you pre-ordering a book. Um,
0: right. Yeah, interesting. So, um, I was I was also thinking too on what what are you feeling like right now? I mean, right now you're in the middle. I mean, you're just under two weeks ago. You've already funded. You know, is this something where you're envisioning doubling down on something or going after press? Like, what is the the, the feeling like right now?
2: Yeah. So in all honesty <laughs> if I were not as extraordinarily busy as I was I am right now in other areas of my life and the book if the book and this campaign was a hundred percent of my focus I I definitely would be going after press would try to get on some local TV shows would reach out hardcore to some mommy bloggers um, there was um, there was somebody who contacted me. Um, via Kickstarter, who has an awesome product, um, and so she and I were able to do some cross promotion for each other, um, cool. uh, both through our campaigns and then also on Instagram. Um, and so I would, I would then try to find other products that I wanted to do that with. Um, but I'm in the, I'm in the middle of trying to prep for a couple huge painting shows, and so it's just, it, it really could not be a more busy time. I'm kind of like, why did I choose? why did I choose this time (laughs) to do this campaign? Uh, That's
0: funny. So, you know, so what happens in 13 days or whatever it is when the Kickstarter money rolls in, what is your first step um, to getting these books out to your backers?
2: So um, the printers that I have spoken to, um, they, I've decided to have somebody to pay Um, since I, at this point, have reached my goal and gone a little bit above it. um, I am going to use some of this extra funding to have somebody else lay out the book for me versus me deciding that I, you know, I I know I could figure it out, but (laughs) um, it may take me four times as long. So I'm going to pay one of the printers to lay out the book for me. I will get them the files, but they'll make sure that everything is, in CMYK um, and just have everything laid out properly and with the appropriate bleed edges. And, um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, and I'll also finalize my quantity at this point, I sort of have a range, um, but um, and then it's going to be a matter of me. um, And then there's a, a nine, roughly a nine week turnaround time. So from the time that the artist submitted to the printer, and then until I receive the books, roughly nine weeks. Um, and so once I then receive the books, I'll, you know, get the rewards out to people. And then I will be doing a launch party um, in Nashville. Cool. And, um, yeah. So
0: What's the big band? What band's going to play at it?
2: <laughs> I, I know. I hadn't even thought about that. Maybe I need to do that. <laughs> Something kid-friendly.
0: <laughs> right, right. That's cool. Uh, so, you know... Would you envision going back to Kickstarter if you have book two ready to go? I mean, has this experience been something that you feel like you would do again?
2: I think, yeah, I think that Kickstarter is amazing. At this point, I think I feel so fortunate to have been able to have such a... um, a quickly funded campaign, and people were so generous that my hope is now that the product that I can create can then fund that I have now kind of like kickstarted, for lack of a better term. <laughs> now, what what can kind of fund itself going forward? Um, that is my hope, um, yep. rather than needing to continuing to go back to the pool.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, and then probably my last question here, just to kind of wrap this all up, you know, what do you envision five years looks like? You know, um, you know, where, where do you see yourself? Where do you see this product? Um, you know, what's the big goal, uh, five years out from now?
2: Um, man, well, I guess I'd have a healthy, happy six and a half year old. (laughs) Um, and, um, I at that point ideally I guess maybe three books in a series um, and uh, I also am interested in creating a, a coloring book to go along with color so maybe there'd also be a couple complementary color books or even other products maybe associated with this idea um, and uh, and let's say that it would be in a store like Nordstrom and being sold on the cell the shelves of a place um, and, in just children boutiques all around the country and that people know this book and it's, oh, and on Oprah's, uh, favorite things list.
0: <laughs> yeah. We always want to be on that. Hopefully, I'm trying to get the podcast on that too. Yeah.
2: Right? <laughs> Everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, man, I mean, it, it's really awesome what, what you're working on here. I think it's a great product for kids. Um, I think you talked about it a little bit. Why don't you just, uh, tell my listeners where they can check out your whole world that you're creating outside of Kickstarter?
2: Yes. So it's AmandaNormanStudio.com. And there's a page on there for the book. Or if you want to check out my, I do children's portraits and florals and abstracts and pet portraits. So um, everything's on AmandaNormanStudio.com.
0: Awesome. Amanda, thank you so much for taking some time. I'm glad we got through our uh, tech (laughs) issues and to to get this uh, interview ready to go. But uh, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you.
0: Awesome! Thanks again.
2: Thanks. Bye.
0: All right. How about that conversation with Amanda? She has a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, I bonded with her over um, our kids being sick all the time after the after the episode. I didn't put that. I didn't. I didn't want to bore you guys with that, right? With uh, kids and puking. So I've already, I've already done that enough on this uh, on the podcast. So the song we're listen to is a song called In the Color Blue. Uh, it's on the album The Sugar People from 2008. You can go check it out on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, I worked on it. I wrote it. Yeah, I did. One of my songs I wrote. So go check it out. Alright guys, I'll talk to you all on Thursday. Have a good one. In the sky You're on the ground
1: In the color blue Or in the color brown Do you look above, do you look down Cause you know if you look around You're gonna see a lot of things That displease kept rising, but she kept on climbing, after two days passed from holding on, the water slowly drained and she stayed strong, she gave us hope in so many ways, there can be light to our darkest day.